This is Larry H. Russell, host of Celtics Beat and author of Ball of the Boston Celtics. Thank you yet again for downloading the number one podcast on the web dedicated to the NBA's winningest franchise, Celtics Beat. CLNS Radio truly values your patronage. Because of your loyalty to making Celtics Beat the most downloaded weekly Celtics podcast online, we would love to offer a free copy of my critically acclaimed book available at clnsradio.com slash book. That's clnsradio.com slash book. Happy reading and enjoy today's broadcast. <laughs> Woo! Oh my god. And this is just for Al freaking Horford, right? But uh here we go. Today is Sunday, July 3rd, 2016. This is Celtics Beat on CLNS Radio, and I am Larry H. Russell. Thank you for tuning in on this 4th of July weekend, although not too hard today, huh? Where were you when? I was actually in bed sleeping at 7.15 p.m. Eastern Time when at underscore Al, excuse me, at Al underscore Horford changed his artwork, his avatar, posted a tweet with 18 shamrocks in them, but I'm awake now soaking this all in like the rest. We apologize to those for the late release, the shade before 7 a.m. here on the East Coast, the day before America's birthday. Uh, my birthday, ahem, ahem, wouldn't mind a little birthday present from one Kevin Durant, but I would have to say one Mr. Horford would suffice, and suffice to say, we'll be talking about said acquisition and another possible one, which we'll find out about some 48 hours from now with today's guest here in the house right now, top of the morning to you, Justin Poulin. Dude, good morning. This is, uh, this is some crazy news, and, you know, you have to think. I remember when we talked about Ray Allen going, there's got to be another move. There's got to be another piece. Now you feel it. And I just think that that's exactly what we're going to be saying for the next 48 hours. Hold it right there, though. I got to get a little more business to get to. It is 4th of July weekend after all. So I spoke to Howard Beck of the Bleacher Report. He's actually listed as the feature today. But, of course, plans for this broadcast were changing by the second. So that's later in the show. A little chat about all this money being thrown around. What does it say about the league? But you know where we're starting off with on episode number 164 of Celtics Beat, which this week is being brought to you by Blue Apron and American Farmers Network.com. American Farmers Network.com forward slash specials celebrate the acquisition of Al Horford. Actually, Mr. Horford, don't be tearing any more chest muscles now that you're in green. Fuel your body with the best and most delicious protein on the planet. With American Farmers Network's certified organic 100% grass-fed steaks. Oh, and also one last thing real quick. Winner announced on next week's show. Enter the contest if you haven't already to win more weeks of Blue Apron Meals. $800 worth of food. Subscribe, rate, and review. Celtics Beat on iTunes. Subscribe, rate, and review this show. And remember, blueapron.com slash Celtics Beat to get two free meals with free shipping on your first Blue Apron order. But right to this, Justin, dear friend, this podcast, Kevin Pelton, someone whose mathematical projections nailed the Celtics' win total last year of 48, wrote an article last night slash early this morning on the mothership, got the Celtics at 53 wins now with the signing of Horford. 
But alas, that's with a lot of analytics and data. So without using all that and just going with your gut and immediate excited reactions, how much does that guy improve this Celtics team? Yeah, I was thinking just Horford alone has got to take him to 55. Look at the games they lost in January last year, and look how long. We've been saying this on Celtics Stuff Live for the last couple of weeks because we've been talking about how much does Kevin Durant improve the win, you know, the win total. But look at the two weeks at the start of last season when they couldn't even figure out the front court rotation. I have a feeling Al Horford's going to be plenty ready, and that front court rotation is going to be well on its way a lot earlier and sizzling a lot earlier than it did last year. So I think, you know, you're good for a couple of wins there. You're good for wins without the letdown wins in January. And then I think Horford's probably good for at least another five on his own. So I don't see how you don't get to 55, honestly, as long as everybody stays healthy. And, you know, that's always a caveat, right? It's not even just like the value of, you know, the replacement player, how good Horford is at his position. It is just what, I mean, he fills a ginormous need. Finally, a defensive presence down low. Finally, a skilled big body, just size. I'm very interested in how Stevens uses him. Obviously, they have this great perimeter defense. So much of it is predicated through the personnel that they have and what they didn't have the prior years, You know, like using Jay Crowder as a roaming ring. Now it's like they've got a great defensive big, good rebounder. It's not like he's this dynamite shot blocker, but his interior defense is great. He still protects the rim. He's very good at defending the brick and roll, which is very rare for that size. So uh, just this is where you need to interrupt me and just say, hey, whoa, you know, calm down, or, or you just no, roll with what you got. Down. You, you don't roll with calm you got. down at all. Don't calm down at all. Let's, let's remember that Stevens runs great systems. He gets the most out of his players and Evan Turner benefiting more than anybody else so far on that one. But Al Horford plays within a system, and the team – definitely tries to run a system that opens up the lanes, you know, spaces it out. It's going to be great for Isaiah Thomas, especially when we hit playoff time. But it's also going to be something that I think you can't – I know what Al Horford's done in Atlanta, and Atlanta has a similar type of system. But then just take Brad Stevens' genius in scheming up plays and and wait. Just wait. It's going to be really exciting to watch. And the Celtics – even if Kevin Durant does not decide to come to the team in the next 48 hours, the team's not done making moves and don't underestimate either having another veteran on this club. I mean, they've been veteran starved. They Durevko, need a veteran. He's a great veteran leader. The oldest veteran they had. Exactly. He's going to, he's only going to take the development of this youth another step. And that's a fantastic thing to think that we are actually building through free agency and the draft, like some weird NBA 2K17 game. I read a great article on the Atlanta Hawks SB Nation blog discussing the, the veteran presence that Warford is and how much the Hawks just got better over the last nine years where they've been in the playoffs every year. One quick thing about the defense, though, before I get on this, the impact that he is going to have in the locker room. Sport VU, which tracks data, player movements, no Atlanta Hawks defender created a bigger drop in an opposing individual's field goal percentage when he was Atlanta's closest defender to their opponent the last few years. So, yes, I am intrigued there. But the impact that Horford has had on the Hawks over the last decade, they stink without him. The Vertical's Michael Lee, featured guest on Celtic Speed, episode number 148, by the way, put out a tweet uh, like Friday, I believe it was Friday, 
with the Atlanta Hawks record at the turn of the century up until 2007, so this eight, seven years before Horford, which was like a quadrillion games under 500, to 2007 to now, where they've made the playoffs every year. A good one to look at it as impact for Atlanta is 2014. They started the season 17 and 13 with him. He tears his pec, which I have no idea how you do playing basketball, by the way. That's a uh, that's a bench press. How much do you bench, bro? Uh, but anyways, um, they went into the tank that year when he missed the season, rest of the year. They finished the year. 38 and 44. And I read a great article, as I said, on the Peachtree Hoops uh, Atlanta Hawks blog. And they went on and on about the impact that he had in that locker room and what a pro's pro he was even earlier in his career when people like Joe Johnson were just jacking up shots on underachieving Hawks teams, even though they were in the playoffs. And Horford just did whatever the coach, Mike Woodson, said. Now he's a 30 year old guy, he's coming here. We talked a lot. Mike Walsh wrote a few articles on clnsradio.com about veteran leadership. It's tough to really tangibly put this into something or concretely measure this, but there's no question about it, what Al Horford is going to bring to the locker room. And, I mean, basically, of course, how good he is, which we've gone on now. So far, we've talked about what how many wins he's going to add. Go back to that. Um, you have listened to Celtic Stuff Live, of course, on the CLNS Radio mobile app. You guys had an emergency show yesterday. You will probably release another one as soon as this Kevin Durant news breaks over the course of the next 36, 48 hours. So, again, definitely download <laughs> already, that app. There's already, there's already plans for recording. There'll be, there'll be a regularly scheduled broadcast Monday morning. Oh, so. boy. <laughs> It'll, it, there'll probably be another one after Kevin Durant. <laughs> you know, if he doesn't come through definitively on Sunday, then no, it's uh, supposed there'll be probably Monday. be it's another Saturday. one Monday, after that. Monday is the, Monday's the day. It's tomorrow. Yeah. It's Monday is the day, so get ready for that. But the primary just talking point that you have brought up, which I agree with you wholeheartedly, had, I mean, even before the whole Horford news breaks, was the strategy Danny Ainge was using. They were letting almost all these B-level free agent slips. There's not going to be any Amir Johnsons this year, or there would have been even our dear friend of this show, Jared Dudley, who would have been a great pickup, took some money from the Suns. I, the mindset of swinging for the fences in free agency. Suffice to say it paid off, but even if they whiffed on Horford, well, you still would have been cool for that. Say, take a shot. If it doesn't happen, call it a day and probably roll with an inferior team next year. Yeah, absolutely. My whole take on that isn't, well, first off, think about how much time they spent scouting you know, for the draft with those eight picks. I mean, we heard about it. It already stretched the resources pretty thin. Then, for them to do the same level of scouting and target players and schedule the meetings, think about how difficult it would have been for them to be able to do that back to back with all the free agents that they would then, you know, need to have scouted. And some of that scouting is already done, but just think about the level of the amount of work. It's almost like it might have detracted from preparations that needed to go into taking the big swing. Again, I'm not saying they couldn't do it. I'm just saying, would they do it all as well as they would have liked? This has allowed them to put a laser focus on Horford and Durant. And then that way, there increases their chances of success. And I think that was smart. But I also think that what's the point of bringing on players that aren't going to move the needle, maybe a couple of games? One of the problems. Probably the best night, case scenario is the veteran leadership type Jared Dudley thing. Hopefully, improve the young players on the roster. But fans eventually would have gotten a little bored with that. But it, well, that and 
So what? Then then you're signing a player no. who's going to occupy cap space. No, they took the right so, strategy, and I know there would have been a huge fallout. There would have been a big fallout, but this was the right strategy, even if this failed. Even if Horford went back yes. to Atlanta and a lot of the lemmings started whining, oh, they never signed a big-name free agent. You know, Danny Ainge, they keep saying that, you know, fireworks, yada, yada, yada. Even if that fell through, they still took the right strategy. But you look same, at draft night. You look at draft night, and everybody coming was out mad. Of draft. And the assets weren't there for them to be able to make the big trade that they wanted. Part of that is because the players that are true assets on this team haven't been able to showcase themselves or are just too important at this point in the game. Now, keep in mind, they may not be as important if you add Al Horford and then you add Kevin Durant. Now you could see another move coming. But right now, if nobody had come, the smartest thing to do was to say, let's get these guys some run. Let's increase their value to us or in trade. Either way, guys got to play. And let's punt and then have all that cap space again next year, and we can do it all over again. And there are a lot of unrestricted free agents next year that the Celtics could have targeted just like they did this year. No, there's no question about it. It was the smartest strategy, even no matter what the talking heads on talk radio are going to be or would have said over the course of the next week. And it well, would have, I would have just that. I would have turned it off. But I, I do say this a lot. If we're going to be measuring the off season just based on you know a single basis or you know just talking about coming out of the draft, a lot of this was still predicated on Horford, especially with they really needed it coming out of the draft because I thought that was another flop for the second year in a row. Actually, Adam Kaufman, who's been tweeted like a maniac, by the way, he put out a tweet uh, earlier in the week of Celtics draft picks since 2011, and it's actually pretty awful. So there would have been a pretty substantial fallout from this, and I'm not sure this positive momentum, this positive vibe for the Celtics would have continued had they whiffed on Horford, whiffed in free agency. They probably would have explored the trade market, but what, then it's getting now pretty thin. Now they actually got to go on the trade market, you know, waiting on Kevin Durant to see what, what he was. And it's it's amazing how I, I actually feel. I don't want to say I feel pretty good about Kevin Durant, but it, it's it's going to be of no surprise if he makes actually makes a decision to the sell. We'd be ecstatic beyond belief. But this is now far less than a pipe dream. But I really thought that they needed this, and they got. It. I mean, they they got it. So everybody uh, loves an underdog. Larry. Angel nobody looks knows good that better now. than New England. Angel looks actually really good now too. CLNS Radio. Corey Prescott reported back in February that Horford was Boston's top target at the deadline. However, I believe it was Mike Gorman on the show here some six weeks ago that said that Celtics kind of let it go because they felt good about getting him this summer. So you got to give him, you got to give Ainge and, or the front office and everyone else major credit there. Even go back to two summers ago, summer of t- 2014, Ainge could have had Horford for a package of the Nets picks, but pass. So safe to say he looks pretty good now. They now have all these assets to possibly make another move in the trade market. I think really the only possibility is going to be DeMarcus Cousins there was. I mean, I, I really hate going deep into the rumors, but I mean, if this the whole Kevin Durant fantasy and the, the there was some talk. Now, granted, it was from a New York tabloid that said they would go very aggressive after Demar. I, I don't. I, I don't know why I'm, I'm getting all. Uh, I'm getting all Nick fan. But if any Kevin Durant thing happened, they would go very aggressive after Demarcus Cousins. And a lot of that actually has to do with a lot of talk from Atlanta circles about Al Horford. Wanting to go back to Atlanta because he, he wants to play the power forward. I mean, it, we kind of come down on that. I actually personally think that he's actually the perfect center for this team. 
right in now. This league, okay, go ahead. Yeah. Initially, yeah. In this in this league, he definitely is. The boogie thing, I mean, honestly. Boogie. boogie. The more yeah, the more people I talk to about him, the less I want him. Um, people in the know. It, it he sca- he scares me a little and bit. Jeff Goodman is not a fan. Not a fan. But I will say this. If Kevin Durant wants to play with right, him. Yeah, I mean, if, if Kevin Durant calls the shots. But it will thin this roster out from the standpoint of it's gonna that's that's gonna be an all in on the assets kind of a move. There is something to be said for those two picks in the next two years if you already have Horford and Durant. If it's if it's a term of condition that they make a full court press to get him and 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 that's sort of a gentleman's handshake between them and Durant, then that's what it is. However, I think this team can come out of the East without Boogie. And I also think that if they did come out of the East and kept those picks that you want to talk yeah, about. Durant wants Anthony to be Tom. here on one contract if he comes. That's what he wants. He wants one team for the rest of his career. Well, the rest of his career, if he's Tim Duncan-like. Well, it could, could be, be 12, a one-year one deal, so that way he can re-up next year for much more money. Right, exactly. You know, he, he can kick the tires, but he's not really going to go anywhere. It's just about making more. But either way, the the point is that he only wants to be with one team. Well, if that's true, and he is able to stay healthy, and you know, we put him on the on the Spurs plan in terms of minutes management and all those things, then this team has to be relevant for another twelve years um, if he makes it that long. Now, probably more realistic, we were talking eight to ten in his career, but. If that were to really happen, they're going to need young players. And they have young players now, but they're going to need top-flight young players. Why not roll the dice on these draft picks the next couple of years? I, I don't see how it would hurt. I think that the, you know maybe maybe they're not championship winners if they don't keep adding pieces, you know, like a Butler or like a Cousins. But at the same time, I almost think, let's see what we get in the draft. Let's see where that position is. I, I don't see the Nets. Making substantial moves and it's They're so the worst deep. Team it's in the NBA next year, absolute. They're the worst so, team in the NBA. I almost think you got to ride with that a little bit. I, I, I understand wanting to go all in, but why not wait and see what happens next year and then power up heading into eighteen. Once you know what the team looks like, what it can accomplish. Remember the first year of Ray Allen and Kevin Durant. Yield, I mean, Kevin Garnett yielded a championship. Slip. Oh, yeah, For, totally. The, the parallels are. Re- but but let's let's say that they do the exact same thing. They somehow come out next season and win a championship in year one with four foot three. Oh, you're, you're you're really getting everyone just like playing but, with but, themselves. But, but hear me out. You know, I mean, why not? This is the this is this is this is the stuff of legend. You know, Tom Brady went to this meeting. It's just it's ridiculous. Oh, if you they know? close the deal, there, there needs to be a book written. Like, well, like three oh, 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 three oh, days in the Hamptons. Like someone's got to write a book on that. It is legendary. Make no mistake. So let us let us all geek out on that because that's the whole point of having so much fun with this. But let let's let's say in total wild fantasy geekdom. They win, you know, 63 games, 64 games, and take home the championship. All the pressure's off for any kind of movement at that point. Durant's happy, finally gets his ring, and then they get to make the selections in 17 and 18. And you want to talk about parallels, that parallel right there goes back 86. to Len Bias. And 86. it could write, write the ship karma-wise, you know, and it would be really— Durant Bias's number. 
Absolutely. Give to, give to Rant Bias's number. But it'd be back to the draft choices, though, and the assets that they do have and the any, any talk possibly about DeMarcus Cousins or whatnot. It's still really going to come down to uh, this is stating the obvious of stating the obvious what exactly Durant says. I mean, obviously, if Durant comes in and says, of course, I'll sign with you, Boston Celtics, tomorrow, but you're going to have to trade the draft choices for DeMarcus Cousins. He certainly calls the shots. But I actually, do it. if I, if, if they, if you know, I kind of would be like, you know, you go into next year, you win 60-some games, maybe you win the conference or you go to the Eastern Conference Finals. But then you have these the 17 Nets pick, the 18 Nets pick, and a few other selections as well. You have the flexibility and then the really thing to play, hardball. And if you want to go real geek out, this is where you can start throwing Anthony Davis's name around. And that would be far superior, I believe, to DeMarcus Cousins. But let's now... Quickly go back a little bit to reality because this Kevin Durant thing has not broken yet. And as we know, you and John, you are going to go live on CLNS Radio, on the CLNS Radio mobile app. Everyone, I cannot stress this enough. Please download the CLNS Radio mobile app now so you're not missing any of this content whatsoever regarding the Kevin Durant news, whether he goes back to Oklahoma City or he signs in Boston. I've already deleted all these other teams. I, I got to get this in real quick. I really wanted to come on this show this morning and just laugh that Chris Broussard Clippers story off so hard because nobody gets more fluff from the media than the Clippers. And sure enough, actually, too, Durant deleted the Clippers from, or at least reportedly, but the Clippers are out and there was no more media. Team-driven, team-fed BS in that Clippers thing. I was going to come here and put my almost my radio career on the line and say that that Clippers thing. There's no chance. And Broussard, actually, that that went really well. So that should have been laughed out of the room. Thankfully, it was. But back now to reality. Here we still have 36 some hours before any Durant decision comes down. Just talking about this team next year without Horford. You have them down pretty much for 55 wins. I'm I'm with you. I'm about 53 to 55. I think five is sort of the lowest increase. Horford has meant so much to that Atlanta team. We could have a whole other show to talk about what in the world the Atlanta Hawks were doing. Really for them, as written by Peachtree Hoops, came down to $6 million. They essentially replaced Dwight Howard without Horford. I don't, I don't think that makes any sense whatsoever. But you I think go, they insulted them. Don't you? Oh God, yeah. Oh God, and they were they were penny pinching in my eyes. They wouldn't give. It came down to six million bucks, and I, it came down probably to giving Dwight Howard three years, having a little flexibility, rolling the dice there with Howard, as opposed to giving Al Horford five. I, yeah, I, I don't do want to talk. Maybe, I don't want the impact. Do you think the Hawks knew. Oh, screw do you the Hawks. Think the Hawks. Screw them. Knew. Screw the Hawks. They, they knew. Right, they knew all along. They could tell. No, they had. You to know what? Have. Screw Why them. Why would you make screw such them. the impact? Well, they're because it's the Atlanta Hawks. And the impact, too, the swing, had Boston not gotten Horford. And, of course, not getting Horford then leads to just completely being erased from Kevin Durant possibilities. The swing at all, or Boston gone to—or, excuse me, Horford gone to Washington. Boston, you know, falls back to a fringe playoff team, and these teams like Washington or Atlanta, they vault to, I don't want to say the tippity-top of the conference, but certainly well ahead Boston— now Boston, they are right there at the top of the conference, whereas Atlanta looks like they got about a 45-win six seed written all over them. Washington, they're now out of it. So just the swing in all this in the Eastern Conference. But let's say, hypothetically, Durant does not sign. What does, A, what do the Celtics need to do uh, move-wise is over the course of these next probably three weeks, this thing is pretty much going to wrap up. And give me real quick also, to their starting lineup. 
Yeah. Uh, Sans Durant. Like I said, Durant, say, go back to Oklahoma City now. We are now operating under a new assumption that Durant's out. Yeah, I think think you basically see the starting lineup that ended last season, except you have Horford in for Jared Sullinger at that point. Amir Johnson comes back and finishes out the rest of his career. Uh, Horford gets what he wants about playing the four instead of moving over to the five. Um and Sullinger probably is, is, his days are probably numbered in Boston at this point. Um, it would, de- it would really depend on the type of contract, but I just don't think that Jared can't go out there and get a multi-year deal. Right. I mean, I bring him back for the qualifying offer. Right. That's just the fantasy. Yeah. It's totally, there's no way that's going to happen. He's probably going to be gone. So you, you basically are taking out Jared Sullinger. Who admittedly, for a lot of us that are podcasting, have been frustrated with him anyway. And you you take him out of the starting lineup and you put Al Horford in. So that's the answer to that question. And and, uh, and Amir comes back in that case for sure. And so does Jarebko. Okay. So um, go ahead. I was going to say. So then you know, and I think we're going to see more Jarebko this year too. I think the lineups will shift a little bit uh, because Horford can play good defense. Uh, good team defense. So they might move him to the five and crowd to the four. They might play Jarebko at the four. I mean, the way Jarebko rebounded in the Atlanta series, you think he's deserved a little bit of additional time and he can, he can shoot the rock and they're going to want to space things out for Isaiah Thomas because he's still the team's only go-to scorer. So what I would say is if there are other trades post non acquire the non acquisition of Durant, then the only other move I would make is to get a, another go-to score. Somebody, you know, definitely somebody who can Horford shoot. Horford can put the ball he, in the basket. Let's, let's not forget about that. Yeah. Right, that's what I mean. We need somebody who can put the points on the board when the game is on the line. You want to talk about increasing their win total over last year. Just have somebody who can take over a game when they're doing, you know, the whole doldrums in the middle of the winter flop thing that every team seems to suffer at some point between January and February. But the teams that have the Kevin Durant's, you know, or even the Kobe Bryant's, you know, not last season, but in his prime, those teams tend to weather those storms better because they just hand it over to the star and say, you just got to manufacture this win. And the Celtics still really don't have that. But the more they space out the floor for Isaiah, the more we're going to see him begin to, I mean, be able to do that again next year. Regardless of what happens with Durant or not, the trade market should probably begin to heat up. Probably after next week, especially when a lot of these GMs get together in these summer leagues. They start in Utah this week. So that's going to be an option. We have not mentioned this name this deep into the show because it seems now like ancient history. Evan Turner running off signing a gigantic contract with the Portland Trailblazers. Four years, $70 million, I believe. Is it a given? Now, once again, operating under the assumption that Kevin Durant does not sign. The Celtics still have a good chunk of money to spend or a good a good chunk of salary slots to fill. But is it a given that Evans' replacement will likely be internal or will Boston probably chip away at the trade market there? No, it'll be internal. I mean, you know, you've got Terry Rozier on this club. You've got Demetrius Jackson. They like this Ben Dental kid who, you know, it's a little regular minutes. He's no, bigger, yeah. I mean, but but – they are going to just, they're going to have to elevate the players that are already on the roster. It just, this is my whole point about taking a punt if they don't get substantial needle moving free agents in, in this, uh, in this offseason because it just doesn't make sense to continue to limit the playing time of these assets that they have. They can't trade them because nobody knows what they have. 
And it's hard for guys to get better, a la, you know, James Young. If, if James Young was on this oh. roster, just listen, I know we're coming up on Summer League, so this will be an interesting kind of thing. But if they, if they had James Young on this roster back when they were pre-Garnett acquisition, the Delonte West, et cetera, he would have gotten a lot more playing time. And I'm not saying we'd be in love with him, but we would know a lot more about James Young. What we know about James Young right now is that he can light up the D League. That he no, he doesn't suck in the D League, but for some reason it doesn't translate to the NBA. He can't play D. It's he doesn't re- put any effort into playing defense. If you're not going to do that, you don't deserve to be on the floor. Well, not in Brad Stevens' system, and that's my point about the pre Garnett. We might feel differently. Those teams hustled, but were they great defensive teams? Absolutely not. I mean, they you know, and we saw a lot of. Inspired play by the Delonte West of the world and the Rajon Rondos, but you know most of that was ball hawking. It wasn't great team defense then. And you know if he had the playing time where he got confident, let's face it, we would take the lack of defense right now if he was hitting his three pointers when he was out there. If he was knocking down those shots and he was providing that shooting, spacing the floor or spreading the floor, if he was providing that to his club that was starved for it. We would think completely differently, and we would still say, you know what, he's 20. He's going to improve on defense with effort. Look at how, look at the strides Kelly Olenek, you know, had as he's played next to other players and, and improve. You know, Amir, the presence of Amir Johnson has, has helped Kelly yeah, Olenek. He seems really. like he cares, be a different I mean, I grant that I'm not around the team every day, and I don't want to waste one breathing second on James Young, but you just get the sense that the guy does not care. I'm surprised, especially with how, how big of a fan – this man is on the show. You haven't mentioned R.J. Hunter's name is really the possible internal, internal improvement because this team is almost definitely, I mean, it's an issue enough going to need shooting, especially now with the acquisition of a big man who plays basically out of the block, although he has certainly stretched his outside shot. It's, he's so you really can play really R.J. Hard. at the three? I mean, that's no, the can, problem. You can't. No, of course guards. not. You can't play the three. And so how does this all fit? You he know, needs you to have... eat American Farmers Network steaks, get some muscle <laughs> gain. Muscle gain. They need to put him on the rack and stretch, you know, just stretch him out and then, you know, add like three or four inches and then, then he'll play a position of need and be able to shoot the rock. Listen, I, you know, RJ Hunter's an interesting piece here because you do wonder how is he going to get minutes? I mean, he has the shooting, but not too much unlike James Young when he got time on the floor. I mean, he, he did hit one really big three pointer last season, but for the most part, when he's been on the floor, he hasn't been knocking them down either. And so the two guys that they drafted, and this I'm gonna I'll tie this into Jalen Brown. The two guys that they've drafted in the last few years that are supposed to be prime time shooters have yet to show it in limited action, albeit limited minutes, have yet to show that they're knockdown shooters. And you know that's the big knock on a Jalen Brown is well I don't know what else he does. You know he doesn't necessarily pass very well, and I think that's something that will come along. Uh, just you know look at the role he's had to play in the past. So they'll work with him on that, but the knock on him is shooting. And, you know, let's face it, in the NBA, a lot of that is, you know, are you a clutch performer? Because even in those limited minutes for R.J. Hunter, those shots matter, and he knows it, and has said as much in the last couple of days that every effort needs to go into every single shot because the volume is lower. So these shooters, even even though the game may not be on the line when they're out there, guys like James Young and R.J. Hunter, their careers are somewhat on the line. That's how they get an opportunity. They hit those shots. They know they get more minutes. Work hard, baby. Work hard. Okay. 
real quick. I'm running out of time because I got to get to Howard Becker, the Bleacher Report, coming up after this commercial break. So no, no other better way to finish this off, Justin, and get you to a Fourth of July barbecue. Am I going? Are we? We are we going to get? Or me? Am I going to get my birthday present? Tomorrow's my birthday. Kevin Durant to Boston. Putting it on you. <laughs> I have to think yes. I just think the narrative is too good. Sometimes when you just feel seem like destiny. that vibe seem going like through. It seems very. This seems this this is taking me back to 2003 with A Rod Maglior Dornez. I remember I was driving to see my lawyer back to the future, after right there. after I got I, back I, I, to the future. And Larry, have you seen have you you've seen Back to the Future? Right? No, I have so not. I don't want to see. Okay, go ahead. Oh well, there's a moment in the movie. And it, you know, it's all about recreating history. And you know, the Michael J. Fox's dad—I can't remember the character's name—but he he goes up and he and he goes up to uh, to say something to his future wife, and he goes, "You are my density." And so you you just mentioned the destiny and and you know altering our history and altering our future. It's all tied in. I'm I'm telling you, there's no reason not to be excited. I might be a fool in 72 hours for saying it but sometimes you can just feel it when something's going there is going. a strong positive vibe for this and like i said it's just amazing how this has just consumed this whole weekend fourth of july weekend and it, our life has just been consumed by kevin durant al horford uh, the nba uh, like i said it takes me back to being a high school in 2003 i remember talking to my defense lawyer in 03 and all we talked about was A-Rod, Magalor-Dornia's that came out it just it wrapped up my whole life, Justin we can go on forever but I gotta get to our featured guest, Howard Beck of the Bleacher Report, coming up after the commercial break you are listening to Celtics Beat on CLNS Radio Hey, this is Larry H. Russell here, critically acclaimed author and host of Celtics Beat. And I'm privileged to be joined by Daryl Conant, former U.S. Olympic Committee strength coach and one of the leading strength and condition specialists in America. Daryl, thanks so much for being here. It's great to be here, Larry. Thank you. Daryl, you're a student of the legendary bodybuilder Vince Gironda. Tell me a bit more about Vince. Vince Gironda was considered the pioneer of pure natural bodybuilding. His training methods and nutritional concepts are still being incorporated in many gyms throughout the world today, and I had the privilege myself of having him as my mentor. How can we learn more about the methods of the Iron Guru? As a student of Vince Gironda, I always wanted to give back to Vince in some way. I wrote a book entitled Invincible that depicts many of Vince's programs and nutritional theories that he taught me. For more information on this book, folks can visit my website at www.darylcurrent.com. Daryl, Vince had so many methods and ideas for achieving optimal health. Care to share any while we're here? One of Vince's most popular nutritional concepts was his recommendation of eating organic, grass-fed beef to build muscle. Organic red meat is loaded with nutrients necessary for building quality muscle. As Vince would always say to me, you must eat the type of food that the muscle is made out of, red meat. Get on that path of effortless fat loss and optimal health by following the appropriate nutritional methods. And get it from the country's leading organic meat brand. American Farmers Network at AmericanFarmersNetwork.com. Episode number 164 of Celtic Speed is brought to you by Blue Apron. As you read on CLNSRadio.com from yours truly this past week, you got to eat healthy to be healthy. Blue Apron knows that when you cook with incredible ingredients, you make incredible meals. So they set the highest quality standards for their community of artisanal suppliers, family-run farms, fisheries, and ranchers. Whether it's Japanese ramen noodles, wild-caught Alaskan salmon, or heirloom tomatoes, Blue Apron is bringing you delicious and fun-to-cook meals for you and with your family and friends. 
and at a very affordable price for less than $10 per meal. Blue Apron delivers seasonal recipes along with pre-portioned ingredients to make those delicious home-cooked meals. I highly suggest giving Blue Apron a shot because you will not regret it. Check out this week's menu and get your two meals free with free shipping by going to blueapron.com slash Celticsbeat. It's already an incredible deal, as is with meals under $10, and your first two meals are free with free shipping. And best of all, you'd help continue to fund the Celtics Beat operation. So eat up. Head on over to blueapron.com slash Celtics Beat. That's blueapron.com slash Celtics Beat. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. Okay, so we're back once again. Howard Beck, senior NBA writer for the Bleacher Report. Uh, Howard, $1.7 billion. We had to get to this storyline. Of course, we were talking about this privately for some time. Now we're going to take it to the public airwaves here. Uh, that did not take long now, did it? It didn't, and you know, I don't think we should be that surprised. Um, you know, Remember, for, for the, the audience here, this is an unprecedented spike in the NBA salary cap. Uh, spurred by an unprecedented spike in league revenues, and those things are very much tied together. So, you know, the new TV deal, the new national TV deal with ESPN, ABC, and, and Turner that kicks in this coming season is it, it just opened a spigot of cash that's flowing into the NBA coffers. And under the budget bargaining agreement, about half of that goes to the players. So the cap spikes, and that money now has to be spent. Um, you know, the, the contracts, it's hard, I know, for people to get their head around, whether it's individual contracts or in the aggregate that over a billion has already been spent. And, and again, in a billion, it's not like that's for next season. It's that, you know, these are multi-year deals. So, so it's a little misleading. But, you know, we all knew this was coming. It's still startling to see the numbers, of course. But, look, this is a sign of a healthy league. You know, you know don't let anybody spin this as, you know, oh, this is, a, you know, they're, they're – it's just runaway spending, and they're going to pay for it down the line, and it's going to cause all these other catastrophes. It's not. This is very much, very directly a sign of the league's health because that cash has to be spent, and it has to be spent because it's coming in, because they're making a boatload, $24 billion over the next nine years in that national TV deal. I want to get to all the repercussions a little later because I was certainly preparing for that, though. But let's stick with sort of the general topics of this. Were there any deals that just jumped out at you? Obviously, of course, the very first deal came just after midnight on the East Coast a few days ago on July 1st was Mozgov. And that's when it was like, oh, boy, here we go. This is going to be exactly what we expected, if not more. I would even say if not more. I had a bet, little gentleman's bet with Sean Devaney over Evan Turner, over under $15 million. So he got way over. He's getting close to $19 million per year annual. This guy was a seventh man on a 40-some win Celtics team last year. What is, I'll ask this for you for fun. Give me the most – I mean, give me a deal that you think a team is going to regret. Uh, of the recent deals over the last few days. I mean, for the especially the B-level guys, the Luol Dengs, the Evan Turners, the Mozgovs, uh, et cetera. Is there, any, is there anything that jumped out at you like, whoa, I mean, that's just a, a lot for him? Sure. Yeah, look, uh, there are some. But before I get to that, two caveats on, you know, contracts that we think are going to cause buyer's remorse or are going to, you know, screw up a team in the future. Two quick caveats on all of these. One, 
The cap is going to go up again in 2017, up to potentially 110 million, maybe even more. And so it's going to devalue these these contracts a little bit. The, the inflation of the cap is going to make these these contracts look a little bit more reasonable a year from now. So there's that. Two, in the current NBA, contracts run no more than four years most of the time. Five if you resign your own free agent with his full bird rights. Um, so that's important to consider because even mistakes, whatever we want to classify as mistakes, come off the books a lot sooner. And so it, it's, it's, not as, um, it's not as big of a burden. You know, we don't have those albatross contracts. Right, the old, Scott, the old Scott Layden, New York Knicks seven-year seven contracts to, I mean, who were the right. guys? Alan but, Houston you know, making a hundred some, exactly. Yeah, or the old Jawan Howard contract from way back when, or you know any number of contracts that you'd say, "Wow, you know, once it was on the books, you were just done." Um, so these, you know, there will be regrets. So to those regrets, uh, yeah, the Mozgov deal was striking on two levels: one, a huge overpay for a guy who, you know, was a, was playing mop-up duty in the finals, had fallen out of the rotation. And is really kind of a throwback in terms of, of being a big lumbering center. Now those guys still have value, to be clear. You know, Andrew Bogut still had value to the Warriors, but in the way uh, the game is being played today, uh, those big men have less and less value, and it's harder and harder to keep them on the floor as more teams. They're situational go to spread players now. The, they're more so they situational are. guys. They are. They are. And you know, if you can't step out and defend the pick and roll, if you can't switch, um, you know, as a big man. You're you're now potentially a a, a, a uh, burden, and you can't stay on the floor. So it's an overpay, and also what was the rush? I mean, <laughs> yeah, I know really, that's the first what, deal. What, <laughs> what, I think what, it might have been the Lakers the trying to appease their fans. I mean, is that my? I mean, is that is that a philosophy? But, but I, but, but I don't even buy that. I mean, I understand they're in a tough spot. They got all this pressure on Jim Buss and Mitch Kupchak. You know, they both might be, you know, out, out, on, uh, you know, out in the cold by the end of the season. You know, they're on the clock, and Jimmy Buss may just clear out everybody. But you still got to, you know, get uh, whatever, whatever splash you're trying to make. It has to be the right splash. So, um, uh, you know, this, and this is just a, a market where there are a lot of centers available. You know, um, all, many of them, you know, just as are more expensive, but, you know, I, you're going to tie yourself up in Moscow before you even gave, gave a chance to get Horford, and maybe Horford is single. He had no interest in them. That's possible, but um, I, I just I just feel like there was a a rush to grab the all guy. <laughs> um, so it's it, it's interesting. Um, the other one that's striking, uh, not to pick on ex Cavaliers, but uh, Matthew Delavadova, that contract he got with the Bucks, crazy, absolutely nuts. Again, a guy who. Uh, barely played in the finals, who has never been a full-time starter, who has never averaged 10 points in the season, who has never averaged five assists in the season as a point guard. Um, I, where was the urgency and, and the need to get Delavadova and to give him that kind of money? I don't get it. A lot of pressure on these teams, almost just to stay in the news. And, of course, there are a lot of teams that need to meet the salary floor obligations as well with the cap going up. Definitely, once again, I, I'm going to get to this in the, in the latter half of this chat. So I'll make this part real quick. Was there anything that you liked over the last few days that made sense? I mean, I guess maybe Chandler Parsons, I think at this point, is probably the best deal that's gotten thumbs up universally all the way around from NBA experts, probably like yourself. Anything that you think makes a lot of sense? Is, is Parsons the guy there? 
I actually am going to be in the minority in this one. I thought that Chandler Parsons deal was, was a bad deal. Um, he's a very good player. Um, whether you're talking new CBA, old CBA, spiking caps, whatever, he's not a max player. And, you know, I know people will say, well, if you're the max, if somebody wants to pay you the max, okay, sure, that's fine. But, you, you know, you need guys that you can build around making the most money, making the biggest salaries. Um, I, he's not a guy you build around. He's got to be your third or fourth best player. Uh, I know that team, maybe that's the case, but that's also a team that has a, a lot of risk, and they just added to the risk. He's coming off of back-to-back years with knee surgeries, one of which was fairly serious. He hasn't been able to finish seasons. Um, and he's joining a team with Marcus Gasol, who's coming off foot surgery, Zach Randolph, who's uh, you know slowing down precipitously the last couple of seasons as he's getting up there in, in age and mileage. I, I, I think, you know, to the extent that you can still have regrets and that in a year or two it might look like, you know, a bad investment, that one is, to me, reminiscent and it's not an exact analogy, but it's a little reminiscent of what Dallas did last year with that max deal with Wes Matthews. Uh, you know, another, another case where it was, well, we're paying for what he was before injuries and what we think he might hopefully still be, but it's a lot of money to tie up in a guy who's a health risk. This got my brain fired up early on. This is the way we're going to pivot to this because we were talking about it early as soon as we, were, we first started speaking, especially when we were speaking privately there. This is probably going to sound stupid to you, Howard, and I don't think this. We, the fact that these players are getting all this money just goes to show you how healthy the league is, how much it has grown exponentially worldwide. It's not just national. I mean, I'd say the NBA is probably the second most popular professional sports league national, but it is just incredible how popular it is over the world. Thus, these players are getting paid the money that they are. But if you even go back to the early 90s there, that's when there was a – beginning to be a rift between fans and professional athletes because they became separated in classes more so. That's when they started to really make money, the millions of dollars. Now they're making astronomical sums of money at a time when the world economy is like doing, I would say, as bad as it ever has over the last 100 years. Do you fear possibly any disconnection between the average American Joe, Jimmy, or Bob, or Sally with these players making all this money, or is just they've accepted the fact that, hey, you keep coming to the games, not just in America, but globally, worldwide, watching and everything, that's just the way it is, and they'll accept it? Or do you think there could be a little bit of a disconnect there between, once again, average us and them? There's always a disconnect. Um, I think fans are getting more sophisticated about this in, in general, but I don't think everybody is. I think there's a segment of fans who understand, look, uh, it's a business. We are the ones creating demand as consumers. We're the ones who are watching TV and are willing to pay the increasing cable bills. We are the ones who are paying the increasing uh, season ticket prices and beer prices. You, if you are a fan and you are subscribing to all of this, you are part of the problem, essentially. You are, you're, you're creating the demand. You're creating the, the higher prices. And those higher prices uh, are, are creating that that. that you know, uh, versioning NBA economy. Um, it's good for the league. It may be bad for the consumer or for some parts of the consumer base, but everyone's still watching. So, you know, um, there's this misnomer that, well, player salaries are creating higher ticket prices. It's, it's quite the opposite. It's whatever they can charge you, they will charge you, and then they will use those profits to then pay the players. So it, it's the inverse of what a lot of people think it is, but people don't understand the simple economics of sports and so that creates the disconnect because then there's this resentment that, one, 
well, they're just jocks and they don't deserve this kind of money. And two, that's somehow costing me, Joe Consumer, more of my money, and that's unfair. But, but uh, neither of those things are, are valid. Um, but look, you can't, you can't argue with people on this. I tried on Twitter last, uh, you know, on Friday night, and it was, uh, it was a fruitless discussion. Um, now, there were a lot of people who understood and, and uh, weighed right in with that. But there are a lot of people who just they refused to, to accept that. And look, it, that, it'll just always be there. And it's been that way for, for years now where, you know, once pro sports became that profitable and a salary spiked, I don't know that there's some breaking point. I don't, you know, look, you know, A-Rod got $250 million several years ago already. Uh, it, yeah, it, 15. You know, so um, if, if that didn't turn people off to baseball, I don't know why any of this turned people off. I think it did. Yeah. Oh, I think it did. I think, well, I mean, that's a discussion for a whole other day, but I think those guys, A-Rod getting $250 million, Mike Hampton getting $150 million, Manny Ramirez getting $180 million. At the turn of the century, I thought that turned a lot of people off from baseball. Um, But that's also a different part of kind of – I mean that's more of an American blue – I want to say blue collar, but that's just more of the average type of American. That was a huge part of that fan base, that that white – and I think it turned a huge portion. That's why I think that – that's a lot to do with baseball's declining popularity since the turn of the century. With the NBA, though, so much of their profits and their revenue comes from the global economy. I mean, I don't think globalization over the last 50 years, now we're talking, we're getting into politics and everything, but globalization over the last 35 to 50 years in this country, if we're going to talk about it with sports, I think it's done no bigger benefit than it does for the NBA. And I think probably if we're going to be talking about the price to pay, that's obviously just going to fall on Americans because they're pretty much the only ones going to the games as opposed to everyone else around the world. They're buy, just buying the jerseys, watching on TV, buying the shoes or whatever. But how about any long-term risks maybe with this massive increase in salary and right away? It just went you know, last year, got guys like Greg Monroe making $17 million, and then boom, you get people like Evan Turner making 18 or $18, $19 million. You worried at all, maybe about the summer of 2017, if there could be any possible labor issues because this was just so sudden and so fast. I mean, it's easy to jump there because you say, "Well, owners can't restrain themselves." And look, the collective bargaining agreement—I've always said this: like 90 percent of the agreements are rules to try to protect owners and GMs from themselves. That's probably high on the percentage, but it's only semi-facetious. It really is a set of rules to try to keep them from overspending from spent you know from spending badly unwisely they can't control themselves and you could look at this summer as another example of that if you want but again this is money that's coming in and has to be spent they spend 50 percent of it that's down on the players that's down from the 57 percent that used to be spent on player salaries in 2011 and prior under the old cba so whatever they're spending they're also still pocketing that much um by definition almost and there are plenty of revenues that aren't in that pot also there are plenty of revenues that fall outside of what they call basketball related income and so you know the owners are doing fine that they're overspending perhaps or that these salaries look out of whack based on historical markers is not really relevant to whether or not the owners are still making a profit they are they're still doing very well as a collective I haven't heard the NBA try to claim anytime recently, at least, that a ton of teams are still losing money. 
And the, the lockout in 2011 was fueled a lot by the recession right. that the entire... And there were a that, lot of the, teams, the, the, the Charlottes, that were complaining about the money that right. they were losing. So, so that's an important context because it wasn't just spending on player salaries. It was the idea that, you know, a third of the league, half the league can't make a profit, whatever it is. Uh, we got to rebalance the system. They also increased revenue sharing at that time to try to move the money around between the, the, the big and small markets. Um, so I, I don't think that the spending this summer necessarily uh, is prelude to a lockout. I do think that it might make some owners queasy, especially those in smaller markets. But, you know, they'll always find something to fight over, and maybe they will again. I don't think we're going to lose games again. I think if there is a lockout, it might be like they had in 2005, where it was, you know, they, they, they had, you know, they, they, technically it was a lockout. It wiped out summer league, I think, um, but you know, like everything was back to normal long before opening night. Um, I, don't, I don't think we're going to get another. Uh, I, don't, I don't think we're getting a repeat of 2011. Definitely too much gonna... money coming in. Too much being made by everybody. That's going to be just something to watch for, though. I mean, just the whole all, the whole repercussions of this all of this is going to be very intriguing in the near future and in the long-term future, and I'm sure we're going to get you back here. Howard Beck, senior NBA writer for the Bleacher Report. You can f- follow Howard on Twitter at his namesake, Howard Beck. Happy 4th, man. Thanks so much for joining us on this weekend. Yeah, you too, Larry. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. We'll be back after a brief programming note. You're listening to Celtics Beat on CLNS Radio. You're listening to CLNS Radio, home to the original Celtics podcast, Celtics Stuff Live. Okay, just heard Justin there. As stated a little earlier, Kevin Durant expected to make his decision tomorrow, late afternoon or evening. Justin and John Duke will go live with a podcast on CLNS Radio. So we preach this every week, but again, now more so than ever. Makes it easier for everyone to get immediate reaction. Download that CLNS Radio mobile app for your iPhone or Android to get instant and convenient access to that podcast, because there is so much that is going to be happening over the next 24 to 36 hours here. Wick promised fireworks two years ago. Well, here they are. You asked for it. This is it. So that CLNS Radio mobile app allows you to stay on top of all of this as the leading online provider of audio video coverage covers every square inch of this Celtics offseason Also, instant Q&As with CLNS Radio Celtics locker room reporter Jared Weiss on the Facebook live feed at facebook.com slash CLNS fans if you want to take part in that. Jared conducted one last night after Horford signed. And lastly, CLNS will be at the introductory press conferences. Will Kevin Durant be there too? Oh my goodness, we hope. But CLNS Radio and Al Horford definitely will be. Watch them in crystal clear high definition on the CLNS Radio YouTube channel. Subscribe now. YouTube.com slash CLNS Radio. YouTube.com slash CLNS Radio. We're completely out of time here. I could go on forever, but I can't. I have so much to get to. If you want to converse more with me over the course of this week, over the course of this next 48 hours, with all that is transpiring, I'm on Twitter at CLNS underscore LHR, at CLNS underscore LHR, or on Facebook at facebook.com slash Celtics I'll probably be on the golf course, but I'll still get back to you, I promise. Definitely with this going on. But 60 minutes, man, this does no justice, doesn't it, with everything that's happened. But it's all we got. So here's to a memorable number 164. Music for this show was provided, as always, by Will Rock. Mesmonium, Chuck Dietz, and Steph Legrato. Be sure to follow us on social media. Our Twitter handle is at Celtics underscore beat. And you can like Celtics Beat on CLNS Radio on Facebook. Keep up with the show at Facebook.com slash Celtics Beat. Also, Google Plus, Celtics Beat on CLNS. Thank you, everyone. 
who waited a few extra hours this morning for this show. And for, of course, listening as always, more thanks to today's sponsors, Blue Apron and American Farmers Network. For staff writer Eddie Santiago, the founder of the network, Nick Gelso, and myself, the executive producer and host, Larry H. Russell. See you next Sunday for another edition of Celtics Beat, powered by CLNS Radio.